This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. For those of you who are brand new, my name is Ron. Uh, Diva mentioned myself. She mentioned Angela a while ago. If you don't know who Angela is and you have a question, just find somebody that's wearing one of those T-shirts that says, uh, someone who knows stuff, okay? And on the back it says, so don't be afraid to ask, all right? Find one of them and say, would you take me to Angela? And uh, they will, because they know who she is. Uh, every Sunday at New Life, we work on what I would call some life skill. Now, it's not just self-help, because you could go to the local bookstore. No, no, no. You could go Google, Right? because there are no more local bookstores, really. You could go to Google, and, and you could look up almost any skill that you feel deficient in, and you could find some expert who would give you, you know, four ways to improve whatever that skill is. And while that's not bad, because that's actually, it means you care, and it means you're working on your life. But at church, we do something far more dynamic than that. Because we realize that the best life skills in the world are developed and flourish in the context of walking with God. And that's really what church is about. It's not a set of rules that you keep. It's about partnering with God, taking God by the hand, and allowing God to make you into the person you always hoped you could be, but somehow didn't feel like you could be on your own. And so today, we are in the second of a series called I Am, and we're actually going to be perusing this concept that I am enough. Not I will be enough, but I am enough, even though I don't want to stay exactly as I am. That even as I am today, I am enough. And I know a lot of us come in with questions and all that kind of stuff. And that's one of the questions that's sort of a subtext in our lives. And last week we learned a number of things. But one of the things we learned was that this was a, this was a VHS tape. For those of you who are under 25, it was a moment of discovery. For those of us who are old duffers, it was a moment of remembrance. But what we learned is that in the subtext of our heart and mind, there are these tapes that play that have captured very vivid images of things that have shaped us, both good and bad. And these tapes play and often get triggered by events in our life. And so last week, we started talking about I am. We ended up on this journey of humility and we learned that true humility is not thinking less of myself. It's actually learning to embrace all of myself, but holding that sense of identity in a posture of surrender and selflessness. Wow, if I could be all of who I was made to be, but hold that in a posture of surrender and selflessness. There's a strength that comes out of that 
that in many ways is superhuman. And at the end, we said, this is our resolve going forward. From this day forward, I will not let the tapes define me. From this day forward, I will let only God define me. And that's what true humility is. We built a chart that looked like this. And at the base of the chart is a line, and it's the it's the self-reliance continuum. And then there's a there's an arrow that shoots straight up out of the middle of it. And and that's the faith continuum. And I can tell you, as I've worked at this all week long and processed this with God, I realize that it's really hard to stay on the faith continuum. It's not hard to keep believing in Jesus also, although sometimes that might be difficult. But it's really hard to live here. And I find I keep getting sucked back down here. Do you find that to be the case? And the next thing you know, you're relying on yourself. And so we built this uh, one word at a time. And today we're going to come back to this chart. And and we're going to see how God takes this guy by the name of Moses. And he coaches him really in the concepts of of that chart. So let's start with an interesting picture. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yes. Sometimes that's just the way my life feels. I mean, I'm trying hard, but I feel like I'm in the middle of a mess. I feel like I'm not the parent that I really want to be. I'm not really the spouse I want to be. I'm not really the pastor that I want to be. There's so much more I could be doing in all of those areas. I'm not really taking care of myself the way I ought to. There's all this stuff and it's just there. And some days I just want to lay back and go, I give. Yeah. Because... In these moments, and we have them more often than we would probably care to admit, in these moments, what we're actually saying is, I'm not enough. I'm just not enough. And sometimes, have you ever said, there's just not enough of me to go around? Yeah, we've all said that. And sometimes we say this, I'm only human. As if this is some sort of curse that we have to live with. In fact, a few years ago when God was really working hard with me on my own sense of identity and who I am and who I'm supposed to be and who he's made me to be and all that kind of stuff. God said, I was sitting in the hot tub. And for those of you who come here all the time, you know that that's the place where I go to meet with God. Uh, I, I don't know. If you don't have a hot tub, go get one. It's a great place to meet with God. (laughs) And uh, I'm sitting in the hot tub. And I'm not kidding you. This is what God said to me. He said, Ron, I think you would like yourself if you just weren't human. And you know what? He was exactly right. What I hated about myself was that I was human. Humans make mistakes. Humans fall short. Humans hurt people they don't want to hurt. Humans let people down that they really care about. Humans say things that they would like to take back. I was just tired. 
of being human. Now, I wonder what would happen in our lives if we could exchange that statement for one that's very similar. I'm fully human. That's a, that's a journey that God is currently taking me on. What does it look like not to just be only human, but to be fully human? Because by the end of that conversation I was having with God, where God says, I think you would like yourself if you just weren't human. And I agreed with him. I said, yes, I'm ready for the transition anytime. <laughs> God came back to me and he said this. I like you as a human. I made you as a human. Huh. What I would like for you to be is fully human. Primarily two things. Number one, to realize that to be made human means that you have been made in the image of God. Wow. That you have a piece of God in you. That there's a piece of the divine in you. There's a piece of the transcendent in you. There's there's this eternal nature that's within you. And instead of looking at that as a curse, why not take that as a giant blessing? That I've been made in God's image. And that God's proud of me. And if he's proud of me, I could, in the right sense of the word, be proud of me as well. There's another statement that we sometimes make. I should be. You've been there, right? I should be a better parent. I should be a better uh, husband or wife. I should be a better co-worker. I should be better at being kind. I should be better at being grateful. I should be better at being content. I should be, I should be, I should be, I should be. And the list is endless, correct? What if we traded that for this? I'm destined to be. Because once we get off of the self-reliant continuum and we get on the faith continuum, then we start walking toward and in the destiny that Jesus has promised us and that is we are destined to be transformed and made more and more like Jesus. Can I tell you that Jesus is the best version of any of us, correct? And if we could be made more and more like him, then instead of saying, I'm only human, we could say, I am fully human. I'm a child of God. I've been created in his image and I am being changed into a better version of myself every day. We could be like Joe Namath, and I know that's a name from the past, okay? (laughs) But I will never forget one of the things that Joe Namath said when he was in his early 20s. He said, I cannot wait till tomorrow because I get better looking every day. (laughs) Wouldn't it be awesome 
if you and I could have such a walk with God that we could say, I can't wait till tomorrow because there will be a better version of me showing up. Wow. So Moses is our case study. And Moses' life looked like that first picture we saw. Okay? In order to understand Moses, you have to understand that Moses' whole life took place in the context of racial slavery. Where Moses is raised, the Israelites lived in perpetual slavery to the Egyptians who were the current world superpower. And through a series of circumstances, too long to, to get into to tell you the whole story, Moses ends up being raised in the palace of Pharaoh, who is the most powerful man on the face of the earth. He grew up with privilege. He grew up with gold forks and knives or whatever the Egyptians used. He drank his wine out of gold goblets. He had the best of the best. And one day, Moses led an attempted a coup, you might say, to lead the, his nation, the Israelites, out of slavery. And that freedom attempt turned violent. And in the process, Moses killed a guy and everybody in the palace turned against him. And Moses fled for his life. And he went out into the middle of the wilderness across the sea from where Egypt was across the Red Sea. And it was there in that wilderness that Moses became a simple shepherd. And for 40 years, he just tended sheep. His dreams of freedom for his people long gone. His sense of identity shaken. So many times Moses had to ask himself, Man, I was raised in the palace of Pharaoh. How did I get here looking at the back end of sheep? Yeah, that's tough. And it was that way until one day God showed up. And God started talking to Moses. And we're going to jump right into the middle of that story. And here's what God said to Moses. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. Wow. Listen, right up front, God gives Moses a job that's way too big for him. That would be too big for anybody, right? You know what Moses is thinking? He's thinking, God, what are you smoking? There's no way that can happen. Are you kidding me? That sounds completely ridiculous to me. You think I'm going to walk up and stroll up to a guy who hates my guts, which is the reason why I'm out here tending sheep anyway, and I'm going to walk up to him, the most powerful man in the world who directs the the world's current superpower, and I'm going to say to him, hey, I have an idea. you got about two million slaves out here. Why don't you just let us go and form our own country next to you? Isn't that a brilliant idea? Moses is thinking, you know how stupid that sounds to me? Well, if it sounds that stupid to me, you know what's going to sound like to Pharaoh? This is a suicide mission. This can only end in one way. The plan will fail and they'll kill me. 
So, here's how Moses responds. (laughs) Why me? Right? (laughs) Don't you have about two million other people you could call to this task? Why would you take me back to the point of my worst event in life? Where I failed most miserably. Why would you take me back to that space? What makes you think I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? I know that you and I have felt that helpless before on some job that we currently have. Maybe you have two, three kids. And somewhere the inmates are running the asylum. Yes. And you look at God and you say, what would ever make you think I could actually raise these kids? Because I'm not getting that job done. And every day that goes by, I seem further behind. That's Moses. You know what he's doing? Moses is getting out his tape and playing the tape. He's not letting God define him. He's letting his previous experiences define him. He's letting what people said about him define him. He's actually letting what he says about himself define him. And God wants to coach Moses out of it. So here's what God says to Moses. I'll be with you. Wow. I'll be with you. Huh. And then he goes on to say, and you and the Israelites will worship me right here on this mountain. By the way, you know the name of that mountain? Those of you who grew up in the church, Moses was standing on the edge of Mount Sinai, which is where he would eventually lead the Israelite nation. And that's where they would meet with God, build the tabernacle. Moses would receive the Ten Commandments and all the stuff that formed the nation of Israel. It was all going to happen right where Moses was standing in the middle of the wilderness, but he couldn't see it, but God could. He says, I'll be with you. This is enough principle number one. And there's only two of these but they are really big. And here it is. Enough principle number one is the key to being enough is finding the right partner. Yeah. When you go through life, remember this chart that we did last week? Self-reliance down here means you don't really have a whole lot of partners and whatever partners you have are humans like you. But if you can get on the faith continuum and you can realize God is saying, I'm sending you. I gifted you with those children. I gifted you with that spouse. I gifted you with that job. I am with you. I'm sending you. I will be with you. If you can get on the faith continuum with God, then you will be enough because you have the right partner. That is a game changer. And that's why I would encourage you that the best thing you could ever do with your life is choose to follow Jesus and get on the faith continuum with him because then it's no longer just you. It's you and Jesus. And that's the first principle for being enough is get the right partner. So God says, I'll be with you. I'm sending you. I'll be with you. 
Ah, Moses says, but they won't trust me. Moses is not done with his tape yet. He's got to play a few more rounds of the tape. They won't trust me. They won't listen to a word I say. Huh. Yeah, that's probably true because it would sound like he was talking out of his mind. Can you imagine Moses showing up uh, with his shepherd's outfit and he walks into the camp, the slave hovels of a couple million Israelites and gathers them around and says, Hey, I got a plan. I am going to walk up to Pharaoh and say, let us go. And the dude is going to fold and let us go. (laughs) Yeah. Moses, do you have a plan B? Because that one doesn't look like it's going to work. He knows. This is ridiculous. They won't trust me. And God is not done coaching Moses. So God wants to give Moses the enough principle number two. So he asks him a very silly question in this context. God says to Moses, what's that in your hand? Moses looks and basically says to God, this this is a stick. I carved it out of an old bush. And I just use it to walk. It's a walking stick. And you know what the subtext is to that? Let me see you do something with that. And God says, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it down and it became a snake. And Moses jumped back fast. I'm pretty sure that's not what Moses expected. Yeah. Now there's all the rest of the story where God says, pick it up. And he picks it up and it turns back into a staff. And and Moses pushes back a couple of times. But I don't want us to miss this really, really, really important principle. And it's enough principle number two. And here it is. If we bring all that we have, it's always enough for God, no matter what it is. Whatever you're doing in life, let's take your job. If you bring all of what you have and you bring it off of the self-reliance scale and you drag it up here on the faith continuum, even if it's just a stick, it's always enough for God. God doesn't want you to bring more than you have. Just bring what you have. Remember, you are enough. If you team up with God and you trust him with what you have, you're enough. And God will do great things. Now, let's press into a little bit of the rest of Moses' life and then we'll learn a couple things as we close. So, Moses took his wife, his sons, and put them on a donkey for the return trip to Egypt. And I love the next statement. He had a firm grip on the staff of God. (laughs) It was like, I am not letting go of this thing. I don't know what's in it, but I know God can use it. Yeah. And God wasn't done with that stick. And he wasn't done with the guy holding that stick. 
And if I walked you through the whole story, it's just this amazing drama. And if you want to go read it, it's the first part of the book of Exodus in your Bible. If you want to read it, it's riveting reading to read through it all. But I'll jump you to forward a few chapters. And Moses stretched out that stick over the sea. This was the Red Sea. And God, with a terrific east wind all night, made the sea go back and he made the sea dry ground. And if you've ever watched the Ten Commandments, you, you watch the, the, the Israelites walk through with a wall of water on each side on dry ground. And it all started when God said to Moses, what's in your hand? What do you got? Whatever you got, just bring it. Because it'll be enough. I will make sure it's enough. So let's talk about the nuts and bolts of how this works. Back on this chart, when you and I stay on this continuum of self-reliance, usually what we get is repeated history, okay? Finish this statement. I know you've heard it. Abused people abuse people. You know what that is? Repeated history. People who study parenting styles will tell us that the number one factor that determines the context or the style in which you raise your children is the way you were raised. There are whole commercials out there now that make fun of the fact that we're not going to be like our parents, but what do we end up being? Like our parents. Yeah. Because when we stay on the the continuum of self-reliance, usually we get one of two things. We get a repeated history or we get a reactive history. Some of you grew up in terrible homes and you said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it will not be that. Right. Your parents were strict and they did all this stuff and wouldn't let you go anywhere and you became the most permissive parent you could be. And that probably didn't work any better. Yeah. It's that repeated history or it's the reactive history. And God says, you know what? I have something way better for you. But you're not going to find it on this continuum. Up here are new possibilities. Not repeating what those around you have done and said about you and not reacting to what's been done in your life or been said about you. But I have whole new possibilities that have nothing to do with how you were raised or what's been said about you. We sang a song this morning. Who the sun sets free will be free indeed. Free of repeated history free of reactive history, and free to new possibilities. And I want to salute so many of you who are becoming cycle breakers. You are breaking generations of cycles in your family. And you are saying, with God's help, I will not be what my parents were. I will not be what my family of origin was. And I will not just react to what my parents and my family of origin are or the church I grew up in, but I will press into new territory with God and I will break 
the cycles of dysfunction that I inherited. Kudos to you. I pray that in some way, every single person seated here today is is working on breaking the cycles, some of them that you inherited. It's a great thing to be set free. Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, toward the end of his life wrote this. He said, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Peter, who felt so weak that one time he denied Jesus. Peter, who felt so weak that one time he corrected Jesus and told Jesus, hey, you sit down, let me talk for a while. Yeah. That Peter said, you know what I've learned over the years of my life? That if I get on the faith continuum and I stay there, God gives me everything I need. I am enough, just as I am when I'm with God. One day, God was speaking to a guy by the name of Paul who had been a Jesus hater, but became one of Jesus' closest followers. And it was actually Jesus who said this to him. He said, Paul, you need to understand my strength comes into its own in your weakness. If you and I could learn to embrace our humanity, our humanness, and understand that when you and I feel like I'm only human, if I could be fully human and embrace even all the failures and weaknesses and struggles that come with being fully human, that that's really what God wants. Because when I bring my weakness... And I bring it to God. It's where his strength comes in to its own. I'm reminded of what Mother Teresa one time said. Even Jesus can't come into a heart that's already full of itself. It's when we bring our emptiness and recognize we don't have to apologize for it. We don't have to be ashamed of it. When we bring our emptiness and our weakness and our brokenness and we just bring it to God and we say, you know what? It doesn't look like much to me, but I know it's enough for you because you made me enough. In the middle of all this, And that you're going to do something amazing with this because your strength comes into its own when I am weak. If there's something that I could wish for all of us, it would be the truth behind this picture. Don't you love that picture? There's so many things about that picture that I absolutely love. That little girl, I think it's a girl. (laughs) That little baby, all right. 
There's not a single thing inside that baby that's going, but I'm only a baby. (laughs) You know what that baby is thinking? I'm fully human. There's nothing inside that baby that says, I should be able to do this on my own. But there's everything inside that baby that says, I'm destined to walk and to run. It's what I'm destined to do. And if I'll just bring what I've got to the table. Can you remember, maybe you had a child that sort of didn't want to walk and every time you'd pick them up, they'd just sit on their butt. And you would think, if you would just get up and try, we could make this work, right? And that's, that's so you and me in life. When God picks us up and says, hey, let's walk into this new territory and you and I start playing the old tapes and we just plop on our butt. Because we don't want to go forward or we're afraid to go forward or we're afraid we'll fail or we're afraid we'll fall down. And God says to us, I'm not here taking you by the hand saying you should be. I'm here taking you by the hands and saying, you're destined to be. Now walk with me. Walk with me. I'll be with you. And he takes us by the hand. And when we stay at it, look at the look on that baby's face. That's a baby that's saying, I can't wait till tomorrow. Because I'm going to walk better tomorrow than I am today. (laughs) And that's the life that God has called us to. I want to pray. God, I thank you so much that you didn't give up on Moses as quickly as Moses gave up on Moses. And I thank you that you don't give up on us as quickly as we sometimes have given up on ourselves, but that we could learn to be fully human and embrace it all and hold that in, in a posture of surrender and selflessness, but complete confidence that we are enough because you made us and we're walking with you. And whenever we have you by the hand, we are always enough if we bring with it whatever we got. Would you help this to be a fantastic week of practicing that, of walking in that, and of experiencing taking those new steps with our hand around your finger and with a look on our face that says, this is going to be great. God, would you give us that kind of faith? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.